This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And hello and good morning. Uh, happy happy Easter to one and all out there, including you, Charlie. Thank course. you very much. We're David having Gaskin. a big turkey dinner tomorrow night at my yeah. house. Well, I'm looking for on Sunday. Uh, Di and I are driving. That's tomorrow, from, Sunday. Uh, yes, okay. that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think so many days ahead. I know. Um, <laughs> You're so organized. <laughs> oh, I am. Um, yeah, Di and I are driving from St. Catharines to visit our sons and five granddaughters. So we are going to have a great time on Sunday. That will be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well... You know what it's like for grandmas. I mean, it's even worse uh, for grandmas than... Granddaughters. Yeah, yeah it's the oh best, boy. eh? Yes, you bet. Bonding opportunities. Oh, heavens yes. Oh, I've got, yeah, uh, oldest uh, granddaughter is 14, and she is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Why would you expect me to say anything else? Of course. Smart as a whip. And, of and course. Perfect, fun. probably. And all the little tads are fun. You know, the Easter Bunny will have visited, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, and you probably have bag loads, shopping well, I, bags full. I got in touch with him uh, and uh, made sure that he knew the address. <laughs> Ah, there you go. But anyway, <laughs> it's not uh, Santa Claus. People no. seem to get Easter and well, Christmas mixed up. I find these why days. The, why the heck wouldn't you? With the weather like we've got I outside, guess. it's like it's like November, late November out there. Okay, but here's the good part of the story. Oh, okay, it's gonna get nice later today. The rain is going to stop. Yeah, yeah. The temperature is supposed to go up to 15, 16, 17 degrees. We're talking great gardening weather this afternoon. Yeah, you, you got that from the, not the horse's mouth. No, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> that, that'd be good. I'd be in trouble already. That's Charlie Dobbin, our <laughs> master gardener, with the uh, promise there of fine weather later on today. Okay. Uh, you got to grab it when you can. It has been very, very <laughs> cool. That's right. Hey, I better give the phone numbers here, and okay. then you get your notes organized, because I know you got a lot to talk about. Thank you. Um, if you're in Toronto, call 416. 416- Six three six zero zero seven forty. Anywhere out of town in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And oh, the mantra: Yeah, call early, call often, but one question per call. Oh, okay, you are smooth. Oh, yeah, I am. Okay, so just uh, I have kind of one big announcement. Okay, uh, there's today uh, the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Uh, you remember Earth Day, right? Yeah, it's all about Earth Day, which was yesterday. But of mm-hmm. course, every day is Earth Day at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. So they have a very um, sort of jam-packed schedule. If you want to get into the gardening mood, and it's still raining, and in preparation for this afternoon. Here's what you do. Starting at 9 o'clock, so right now, right through till 4 o'clock, 
If you've pre-ordered a rain barrel, they are available for pickup at the Toronto uh, Toronto Botanical Gardens. They also might have a few left for sale on site. Of course, with all this rain, who would want to capture any? But frankly, you're going to want it later. Master Gardeners will be on hand to answer gardening questions all day today. There are also special freshly dug divisions of choice perennials from the Toronto Botanical Garden Gardens are for sale. So that's today, 9 till 4. Plus, on top of that, the Toronto Region Rhododendron and Horticultural Society's Mm -hmm. annual plant sale is running today from 9.30 in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon or until they sell out, which they always do. Rhododendrons, this is the time of year where everybody falls in love with rhododendrons because they're early spring bloomers. And this, you know, the Mm -hmm. Rhododendron Society has a huge assortment of different kinds of rhododendrons for different conditions and different hardiness levels. So whether it's a city garden, garden or a cottage garden. Um, according to Chris Vigmanis, the selection of both azaleas and rotos this year is to die for. The other thing they have is a big supply of composted pine bark. Well, of course, you need that to prepare the beds for your rhododendrons. Mm. As well, there is a selection of companion plants, which is great. They've got epimediums, dicentras, hookeras, and hellebores, all kinds of plants that will thrive at the feet of your rhododendrons and azaleas. So what a cool opportunity. That's all day today. Uh, grab it while you can. And if you're handy to a computer, jump online. They've got scads of information. I read the, uh, their their online stuff. And holy oh. mackerel, all the things that were going on. Oh, at Toronto Incredible. Botanical Gardens. Yeah. Well, also the month of April, they've been partnering with Royal Ontario Museum. So there's there's all sort all of that nature in nature. the city. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, busy oh, place. If I may do a little shout out. Uh, do you happen to have an announcement for us? Uh, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, one week from today, it will be underway. And I'm referring to the Kawartha Lakes Region uh, Home and Garden Show, mm-hmm. which uh, is sponsored by the Rotary Club up there in Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen at the Armory. Mm-hmm. Great, great old building yeah. in Lindsay. Uh, of course, I worked there for a number of years and and made a lot of friends, and I'm going to be speaking to one of them a little bit later on uh, in my show about 11:45. Uh, Marlene Morris and, and Nichols, and she is heavily involved in this. But there are, you know, as you would expect with the Rotary Club, tons of volunteers who are yeah. putting lots of time in and making sure that they're going to have a grand show next weekend. So it's home, it's garden, yeah. there's probably food, there's probably all oh, kinds yeah. of stuff going the whole, on. The whole ball of wax. Oh, you just have day. your ear to the ground, I don't you? I know, My, plugged in. I know, particularly when it comes to gardening things, that's impressive. Oh, well, there you are. <laughs> I'm the seed man. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, wait a minute, I better... Seedy. I better back. <laughs> that's that seedy Frank. Seedy yeah. Frank, oh, yes. <laughs> David Gaskin is our producer, and he awaits your phone call at the numbers I've given. Uh, we'll return to have a chat with Pat in just a mo here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I am the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Delighted to be here with you on this 23rd day of April as we race toward Election Day. Well, enough about that. <laughs> and we're racing towards the, the big wedding, too. Yeah, oh, next Friday. Out tomorrow. Yeah, next Friday. Will yeah, you be Friday. getting out of bed, uh, Dawn? Yeah, we're going to get up early and watch it, Di and I. Why, why am I not surprised? Yeah, no, no, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Uh, Pat. In Grafton. What are you laughing at I'm here? I'm just thinking. Pat, Pat in Grafton. Good day. Are you going to give me the raspberry here? Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> morning, Pat. Good morning and happy Easter. Thank, Thank you. you. I have raspberries and I have no idea what to do with them. They are, they, I've had them maybe, maybe this is the 
second or third spring mm-hmm. for them. And unfortunately, last June, I had to be away for the whole month, so they I got nothing from the crop. But I don't know what to do with them now, like pruning, fertilizing. So you planted them about two or three years ago, and uh, do you have any idea what kind of raspberries they are? Um, actually, uh, the majority of them are a brown raspberry that I got from my daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know the species. They were there at her house when she bought it, and they were just sort of taking over everything. And so she just dug some up and said, take these home. That's what happy raspberries do. They tend to kind of take over. So what you're calling them brown, they're probably, um, there is a golden, what's called a golden raspberry. I imagine that's probably what, what it is. Well, they're not yellowish. They're actually brown. They're actually brown, eh? And, and they're, they taste great. Oh, they're wonderful. And then I have a few red ones mm-hmm. that we bought. Okay. Everybody... Uh, I'm I'm originally from the U.S. and everybody here thinks I'm crazy when I say brown raspberry. Yeah, that is. But where I came from in the states, all we had was brown raspberries. They got green, then they turned red, and when they turned brown, they were ripe. Hmm. And when I first saw red raspberries, I thought they were still waiting to ripen. Right, exactly. So where was this in the states? Uh, Maryland. Yeah. Hmm. Gee, I had an email from a, a chap down in Mississippi. In Pelotachi, uh, Mississippi, just the yes. other day, and he got talking about muscite, a musket, muscadine uh, berries. You ever heard of those? No. Uh, apparently, they're berries, and they're all form, all sizes, and they they come in brown, uh, or uh, green, and hmm. uh, orange. I believe it is too. I didn't. I had to look up what muscadine meant yeah, when yeah. he mentioned. It, but there are, are a berry in the big festival down there. Uh, in his hometown. All right, so back to back to Br- Pat and, and her raspberries. Oh, okay. All right, so here's here's the scoop because you're right. Pruning is the first question, and remember, with all of our garden plants, fertilizing in the spring is the norm. Whether you fertilize with a synthetic fertilizer that you're going to scatter on the ground as if you're feeding the chickens or you have access to good organic compost or composted manure, which is always a good idea to be top dressing the canes, the the area where you've got the, the garden bed, in this case raspberries, because always, always organic matter is good for any plants. I have access to a bunch of composted leaves. Okay, good. That good? That's good. Okay. Very good. So here's what you're going to do before you do any any addition of the composted leaves. You're going to prune out any of the canes that bore fruit last year. Uh, they're going to have the grayish peeling bark. They're going to be the older canes okay. as opposed to the shiny, fresh ones. So when you prune those out, you prune those out at ground level. Remove any canes that have grown outside of your designated footprint for where you want the raspberries to stay. Okay. Most of us try and work with about a 12 to 18 inch depth to the raspberry bed because raspberries have a tendency to obviously climb outside of that or grow outside of that. And then it's virtually impossible to, to harvest in the center. Okay. You're going to remove any spindly or short cane. Spindly as in really not, not vigorous, not healthy looking. <clears throat> And then you're going to thin the canes so that there's only about four or five left of the healthiest, the tallest, and the fattest canes per foot along the length of the row. So four to five of the healthiest, tallest, and fattest canes are going to be left behind per foot along the length of the row. Then you're going to top dress with your leaves, and then you're going to wait for a bunch of delicious raspberries. Okay. All right. Throughout the summer, if you see anything dead, you see anything diseased, you see anything broken in terms of the canes, you will prune those. But otherwise, your main pruning will take place in the spring. 
Okay. Okie doke. All right. There you are. <laughs> Taking those notes down and, like matter. Yeah. And, <laughs> I am. And Frank and, her coming, and I are coming over to see some of those brown raspberries, I yeah. think. I want to see those. I've never seen brown raspberries. Well... They are a raspberry. Yeah. My husband oh, kept it. trying to tell me they were blackberries, but they're not. They're fine, <laughs> hmm. uh, like a, yeah. a raspberry. I have wild yeah. blackberries yeah. growing at the edge of my property. Yeah, and it's I. Well, I grew up in an area where we picked wild raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, mm. blueberries. So you know your berries. Um, yeah, I, I remember this from my childhood. It was a family outing, and I mean mm. aunts and uncles, cousins, and so on. Yeah, with buckets. Yeah, buckets full of. And we had different kinds of raspberries that mm-hmm. were brown, like different shapes. Oh, there was yeah. one that, uh, it's a funny name, but my dad always called it a sheep's tit raspberry. <laughs> and it was shaped like maybe the end of your finger. It was long and, and cylindrical, mm-hmm. and it was brown. Wow, okay. So it's, it's weird. It's cool. Thanks. Thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, these are lovely. I love hearing about new things. So, uh, well, we'll be hopefully hearing more about uh, about all that. I will keep you informed about how they grow. Thanks, Pat. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Pat. And I'll do a little more research on muscadine. Uh, yeah, berries. you get on that. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to do some research into brown raspberries because it's warming up. Absolutely. Gardening season, uh, I think, is so really going to start today. <laughs> <laughs> so in order to be in good shape and feeling healthy and vigorous and able to bend down and drag those bags of soil around and plant and weed and all the things that I still need to do in my garden, I've been taking my Sierra Sil because Sierra Sil, as you know, is yep. a mineral supplement help that I take to keep the, the joints limber, keep my knees from creaking and cracking and hurting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it works. It yep. works for me. So I do recommend if you want to stay active and you've got any pain with your activity uh, or you're avoiding activity because of joint pain, you might want to check out sierrasil.ca or give them a call. one 877-JOINT-14. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And this 923 on this Saturday morning, Frank Proctor along with Charlie Dobbin. This is AM740, the and, garden show. Okay, and Frank forced me to do some <laughs> muscadine berry looking up. Tell us what we just learned, the oh, Mr. Muscadine. <laughs> the grapes. They are grapes, aren't <laughs> they? Are, they? Yeah. yeah, but but they don't grow in Ontario because they're not hardy enough for our climate. No, basically Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and Mississippi. Right, down to Florida. Yeah. But they make wine and yes. cordials and gosh That's knows what. That big, big festival down there. Kind of like the Niagara Wine Festival, well, probably. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. There More on that maybe next week. I think we should go visiting to some of these wine festivals. Hey. Take, the, take the radio show on the road. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> Let's pitch so does, that to Moses. So does David. Uh, Wendy in Georgetown. Welcome to the show. Hello, Wendy. Hi. Uh, sorry, Wendy had to uh, leave for a moment. It's her husband, Ron. Hi, oh, Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi. Um, a question. We have uh, 11 black currants and one uh, red currant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the black currants are probably 15 years old or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the red currants maybe five. Um, the uh, fruit forms on the tree, on the bush, uh, but uh, come harvest time, there's no fruit left. Now, we have um, covered the... Um, the whole thing in, in a cage with um, chicken wire mesh, cover that over again with the nylon mesh to stop the birds getting at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering, 
you know, why we're not getting any fruit surviving. Uh, and this is on any of your currants? This You don't get any fruit on any of your currants? You get them on the red. Oh, okay. So it's, but none of the black. None on the black. And you see them initially, like you see the flowering, the, the little shrubs flowering. Yeah, they flower and the fruit forms. But okay. uh, later on in the year, they disappear. Hmm. Okay, and when did you first start draping them when you said uh, that, you know, this idea of trying to protect About two them? Two years ago. Really? And you still have never got any? Yeah. Now we prune the dead stuff off in the spring and okay. we fertilize. Yeah. And you, it's got to be birds. Or is it something getting underneath? Is it mice coming in from underneath? Or oh, that's possible, yes. Um, because would they, would they get right up the vine? and? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Though, I, though I would think, see, birds, well, birds are usually the worst when it comes to the fruits because they see them, right? And, I mean, yeah. I've grown both black and red currants, and and if, if any were missing, I didn't never noticed. I mean, there was lots on the ripening on the shrubs uh, in good time to, to be able to pick them. Uh-huh. Um, so when you, these must be very good black currants. There must be like some kind of a <laughs> congregation that gets together <laughs> to just strip your, your shrubs. It couldn't be your neighbors, is it, in the middle of the night making like wine? with your black currants or something because <laughs> that's that's really unusual to lose all the black currants and not the red yeah huh uh do you have any idea what what are they all the same variety yes hmm and do you know what kind they are no i'm afraid not huh that is a strange one. okay so leave that with me and you're calling from georgetown so all right and these are growing in optimal situation they've got lots of sun and air circulation and the Plants are a nice size and they're healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, everything looks great except that uh, you don't get any. Survive. You don't get any berries, and it's not, they don't just shrivel up and fall off. I mean, you would see them; they're yeah. just stripped. No, don't see them. Huh. Wow! And you've dra- you've wired and you've done like the chi- the um, cheesecloth kind of drape. Uh, it's not a cheesecloth; it's that very fine uh, nylon mesh uh, netting. Yeah, maybe a what half inch uh, square. Okay. You know what? There, there's something called a floating row cover. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's very fine. Um, it's almost like tissue paper, but it's, but it's a fabric. <clears throat> and it floats over top of our particularly edible crops. We use it traditionally with our broccoli and our cauliflower and our cabbages because we're trying to protect them from all those little caterpillars. And the plants can grow beneath and of course, the sun gets through, and the moisture gets through, and the the wind it's just it's just like a like a veil almost floats over top of the the plants. I'm yeah. wondering if maybe you should invest in something like that, something with a little finer mesh, and yeah. just see if that helps protect because it's very likely birds. But I will, in the meantime, see if I can come up with any other suggestions. I like your earlier supposition. <laughs> the neighbor, the neighbor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You just never know. <laughs> but, yeah. but let me see if I can come up with any, any thoughts on that. If anybody else has any thoughts, certainly maybe they'll give us a call. So keep listening. Okay, thanks. thanks Thank you, Ron. Ron. On behalf of Wendy there in Georgetown, it is 928 here on The Garden Show. We're going to say hi now to Margaret in Eris. Split Clivia. Uh, Clivia. Oh, Clivia. Split. I'm Divorced? <laughs> you never know. Uh, hello there. Uh, Margaret, welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. And it's pronounced clevia, and it's clevia. an old world plant. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um, I've had it for years and years, and it's probably in at least an 18-inch crock pot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's becoming so full because it keeps getting young ones. 
Aww. I really do want to split it this year so that it can continue to uh, produce more young ones because there's no room in there anymore. Well, that's uh, right. They do get, oh, at some point, you, they're just forced, they're coming out of the top of the, the pot, right? They, <laughs> They, they're happier when they are pot bound. It's one of those plants that, yeah, weird, yeah. yeah, you want to actually let the pot fill up, but then at some point, yeah, they just start coming yeah, straight. It is really for I vertical. get anywhere from six to eight stems of blooms because there's so many plants in there. Nice every year, which is absolutely beautiful. I bet. My question is, do I split it now before I put it back outside because it always blooms around in in August, mm-hmm. uh, July. Between July and August is when it blooms. Do I split it now or do I wait until after it has bloomed? To tell you the truth, your best time to split it is now, anytime in the next month. Okay. But also to tell you another fact, it may not bloom this year uh-huh. as a result of this. Okay. They do, I find, need a settling in period. Uh, when you do that splitting, there's this... It's just something about, you know, the clivia. They need to get the roots out. They need to get settled back into their new situation. Right. So anticipate lots of beautiful blooms next year and be excited if you get some this year. Uh, <laughs> but you may not. But for sure, it's just a matter of getting the whole plant out of the pot, which is going to be a bit tricky. It's been in there for a while. Yeah. Nice, sharp butcher's knife. Okay. Sever some of those babies off of the mother. Make sure, obviously, that the crown of the plant is intact. So there's stem and root as part of what you're severing. And then it's just a matter of transplanting into nice, well-drained potting soil, preferably clay pots, uh, pots with, you know, good ability to dry right out. They certainly do not want to be soggy. it's clay. Yeah, Yeah. it is a clay pot. I have it in so it can breathe. Perfect. And that's the best. They do love clay. So I have, there's probably at least nine plants in there. Mm -hmm. Should I keep a number of them together or should I split them all individually and then replant? Well, what are you hoping to do? Have you got people you've promised plants to or are you going to go to the local plant sale? I just want to fill two pots and have one in each corner of of a path that I have. Oh, I see. We have a vision we're trying to achieve here. Well, I mean, you could just, once you get that whole plant out, find as as close to the midway point as you can and just split it in half. Okay. And then, of course, you need two nice-sized pots, matching, obviously, to pop those two pieces right back in. Okay. Yeah, obviously planting at the same height it is now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're better. If you can keep some of it together, I would. Okay. Or, you know, you can open up your own nursery and make up <laughs> nine pots. <laughs> Got you in business already. My gosh. <laughs> it's, so much, it's, it's so much fun to see them, the stems coming up and, and, and to see, you know, on the younger stems, there'll, there'll be like six to eight blooms. And on mm-hmm. the larger, on, on the more mature ones, I've, I've had as many as 14 blooms on one stem, wow. which is just amazing. It's so much fun. So and they're beautiful, I just, want, too. I just want to have two pots now instead of one. You know, you become greedy. That's right. <laughs> Double your trouble. Good for you. Well, good luck with that, Margaret. Okay, thank you very much, Charlie. Happy Easter. Thank you, the you too. The very same to you, too, Margaret. Thank and you. Another Margaret is joining us on the Lovely. show. From Port Colburn. A problem with a cedar hedge? Hmm, let's find out. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Um, we have a, um, a cedar hedge that was planted about six years ago. It's uh, approximately six feet high, growing in a fairly protected area between our house and the neighbors as a uh, privacy hedge, mm-hmm. and it uh, was fine when it, uh, we, we noticed it last spring, but partway through the summer, we begin to see some browning out, and on one side only, and this kept on through the summer, 
We've been looking at it this spring, and we notice a little bit of browning out on the other side. What could it be? What can we do? It sounds like, okay, the browning out that you saw last year that was just on the one side, was that on the darker side, the side where there's less light? Uh, The north side. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the north side of it. um, Which is typically the darker side. Yes. Um, Okay, because last year, and I'm just trying to, my brain's gone on hold for a minute here in terms of the actual name of the insect, but what there's this little tiny, very small, like head of a pin size kind of insect that tunnels into cedars from the tips. Basically, the eggs are laid by a very small moth on the tips of the leaves or the branches of the cedar. When the eggs hatch, the little larvae tunnel inside these little branches, and that's where you start seeing browning on the tips. Is that what you saw, or was it browning that was from the older growth on the inside of the plant? Just a general browning out, I think. But it's, yeah. So the trick is, it starts somewhere. Does it start on the outside of the plant or the inside? Just so you know, inside of the plant, no big deal. Those are older leaves every two, three years. Cedars, we call them evergreens, but they're not really evergreen. They do drop their leaves. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, we put on our gloves and we, we brush or comb out our cedars and all kinds of, you know, sort of rusty colored stuff is on the inside. We kind of brush that all out with our fingers and then rake it away from the base freshen up the soil, fertilize as required, trim, etc. If the, the browning is happening from the tips, your best thing you need to do is some shearing. And what you shear off, you must very carefully clean up and eliminate from the property. Because you, that we haven't noticed, uh, so we guess we need to take a closer look at exactly where it's happening from. Yeah, and and honestly, with with a, just a small, not not even a fancy magnifying glass, where you t- take one of those brown branches or or fronds, break it in half and look and see if it's hollow in the center, and that if will it's be hollow in the center exactly because that will that tunneling will if the insect has been there there will be a hollow it will be hollow there'll be nothing oh, in there right. uh, and that can give you an indication that yes indeed you've had an insect infesting the cedar so like I said the main thing is do the TLC that we should do every spring anyway with our plants top dress with some good organic material shear uh, and um, and just uh, you know kind of Bring them down in height if necessary to cause them to grow a little wider or shear the sides to grow a little taller. Depends what shape and size you want them to be. But certainly you, there's no reason why they can't be healthy plants. It's just a matter of... when you of, say shear, uh, how much cutting would you take from it? Well, if you said they're about six feet tall. You can always remove up to a third of any plant at this uh, time of from year. From the height. Now, what about from the sides? Well, if... Uh, in total, it's got to be a third. So if you took a foot off the top, then you, I would take a few inches off the sides. Because you want the plant, the, you want this hedge to be dense. If it's going to be a truly a privacy screen, you want it as dense as possible. And re- part of your shearing is to remove the brown material that you see. Yes. And when you say to be careful to be able to remove all of this, mm. um, would you just rake it away? Or do we have to put tarpaulin on the ground first before we begin? Or I would, I would rake. Rake and let, then top dress after that. Okay. okay. As long okay. as we and remove everything, we rake it off and then top dress afterwards. That's correct. And put yes. that stuff in, in what plastic bags and take it away. That's right. Yeah, it goes into, yeah. yeah, don't keep it on the property. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. You're very welcome. Thank you, Margaret. 
Take care of Port Colburn for us. Okay, 936. Frank Proctor along with Charlie Dobbin, The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, of course, a master gardener, and uh, part of her job is to uh, go to people's backyards, or front yards for that matter, and give them advice on how to spruce the place up. And you've been busy doing that lately, haven't you? I have. Don't, yeah, don't get confused. Not that you're getting confused, but sometimes we use the term master gardener because master gardener really is something. It is Mm. a certification that people go to school to get. And part of being a master gardener is voluntarily providing advice clinics and and help to hobby gardeners. Right. Okay. So I am an honorary master gardener. So, you know, I'm very proud of that. But I am actually also a trained horticulturalist and landscape designer who makes my living doing uh, consulting right. so and giving expect, advice. Char- Charlie, come over for a cup of tea and spend three hours fixing up your lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, or giving you advice. So that is just to clarify. So yeah. that's always, it's a funny thing. Like I, I love the master gardeners, but of course what they do, they do for the sheer joy and love and passion of yeah. gardening. But this is your business. This this is my business. This is how I pay my mortgage and put my kids through university. So I, I love to volunteer my time. And actually, I do a lot of volunteering as well. But I, yeah, I go into people's yards. And certainly this last week or two has been extremely interesting. Freezing your buns off, yes. weren't you? Yeah. That long underwear and those winter boots came in very handy. Man. Three pairs of gloves and I was good to go. There you go. Very cold. <laughs> okay. With that said, uh, a little plug for Charlie, uh, let's go to George in Coburg. Hi, George. Good morning. How are you this morning? Fine, thanks. Uh, I have a beautiful uh, rose bush. It grows about five feet high, and uh, I've already trimmed it down, but I was wondering if it could be if I can split it in half and replant part of it. No. No? Roses aren't like, um, you know, black-eyed Susans. You can't just sort of sever them and expect them to survive. But what you could do, is this some, when you say it grows about five feet high, any idea what the name of the rose is? No, I don't know. It's about five inches in diameter when they come out. Wow. And so is it an old rose, do you think? Like, is it Well, more... I've been here in the house seven years, and it's, I was here when I got here. Okay. And does it bloom just once in the spring, and then it gets hips on it, or does it continue to bloom throughout oh, no, the summer? Grows, it goes right till September. Oh, uh, okay. It's so, a, a pinkish color. Pinkish. Okay, so this this is always the challenge. Yeah, and it grows so high that they, the roses are so heavy that they flop over. Okay. Wow. Oh, so I wonder if it's what, one of the, um, like an English, what they call the English roses or the David Austin roses being the sort of traditional ones. Very, very multi-petaled, top-heavy roses. And we always used to joke back in my white rose days that the way to enjoy a David Austin rose was to lie flat on your back on the ground <laughs> and look up because they always flopped and, you know, faced the ground. <laughs> Frank's laughing. Well, you see, we were very proud at White Rose that we didn't grow those floppy roses. We grew very strong, cane uh, Delbard roses. Anyway, that's another story. So what I would do, I was going to suggest, you want more of that rose, cuttings are not a problem. In June, we're in perfect time to, the plants are actively growing, you can take cuttings, you can root them, you can start new plants. But, Will those plants survive the winter? And that comes back to whether the plant you currently have is growing on its own roots or another rose's roots. Uh, Can you, you just cut a piece off the off the plant? That's right. Well, a tip you would you would cut about a six inch tip of one of the canes. Right. You would remove any buds or flowers that are on that, and then you would strip two sets of lower leaves, and you would take that cut uh, piece of of cane and you would go into some moist sand or vermiculite or perlite uh, and it would start to grow roots from where you removed the leaves. 
Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Can you tell when you look at the rose bush? Is there like a knob or what would be a graft uh, where the plant was grafted or yeah. budded? Yeah. Can you see something like that at the yeah. base? You can. So that tells you that it's not growing on its own roots, and that makes the propagation of it very tough for you because you're not going to be able to <clears throat> properly graft it or bud it onto some yeah. other roots. And I tried it once before, and I didn't get any roots at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you will get roots if you do it at the right time, but will the plant survive? That's yeah. the question. I mean, what it's time did you say to do that? June. In June? Yeah, in June. Well, maybe I'll try that and see what... Yeah, take a few cuttings. I mean, you, you'll obviously be sacrificing some blooms when you do it, yeah. but, um, but take a few cuttings and see what you can do. Rooting hormone can make a difference as well. Right. Number two, stem root number two. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay. Thank you, George. Yep, thank you very much. Thanks. And, and thank you, Charlie, for a little clip that we'll be using at our Christmas party. How to enjoy a rose <laughs> is to lie on your back and look at the stars. That, um, <laughs> That's yes, quite a good, strong visual, right? Do you want to lift that one, David, visual, and keep that for a promo sometime? Okay, we'll be back with <laughs> more of Charlie Dobbin and her wisdom uh, in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show for May 740. Hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor here, the sous chef, helping out in some fashion or another. Always. As always. (laughs) Here is Marilyn from Oshawa. Good morning, Marilyn, and welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning to both of you. (laughs) Good morning. What I'm calling about is my Rosa Sharon. It's probably about eight years old. But it's getting way too tall and too thick. And I wondered, can I trim it back now or is it too... No, this is absolutely the right time. If you're ever going to trim Rosa Sharon, spring is the time to do it. Oh, okay. Because somebody told me, no, you couldn't do it now. So. Oh, gosh, no, no. The trick is when a plant flowers late in the season, of course, Rosa Sharon blooms in August and September. Right. We do our pruning early in the season. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, if you did your pruning in July, you wouldn't have any flowers in August. Okay. Now, how how can I go back? What third a half? How uh, far? You could go to a third, but if part of what's going on, you said it's too thick. Stand and look at the plant and recognize that the older branches uh, are the bigger, thicker ones. Right. What you need to do is follow a couple of those down and actually maybe remove those right from ground level. Okay. By doing that, you're going to open the plant up. So right. that you have less density in the center, plus typically that will right away bring the height down because it's your right, older yeah. ones that are your taller ones. Once you've taken out, say, two or three of the older, thicker branches, now it's a question of shaping what's left, perhaps bringing the, the height down. Because okay. there's no question. you Rosa Sharon, they'll go 10, 12 feet tall, and all those flowers, we don't even see them anymore because they're way up too high for us to see. Nice to keep them five feet, six feet tall. Right. But it is ongoing pruning every spring. Okay. Another thing I find, too, I'm getting shoots all over the place. Even in the lawn, there's shoots coming up. From that okay. rose of Sharon? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one you got there. It's a very vigorous plant. It is, yeah, it's beautiful when it's in full flower, eh? But, uh, is it a thing sing- is I can't get up to the top of it. Should you deadhead it after the flowers die back? Well, what's happening partially is the flowers are uh, setting for little fruits with seeds inside them, and the seeds are dispersing, and it's quite likely that all those little babies that are coming up are coming from seed. 
I mean, I'm trying to pull them out as I see them, eh? but mm-hmm. some of them are gotten the head start on me. Yes, you're going to have to get your shovel. Well, yeah. you have to get your shovel out. And right. again, similar to our caller with the the Clevia, who's going to go into the Clevia business, you could go into the Rose of Sharon <laughs> nursery business when you have one of those kind of plants that just sends seeds and sprouts all over the place. Yeah. Um, because yeah, well, or or if nothing else, cut them off right at ground level, and as they start to grow, cut them off at ground level. Eventually, the roots will die if okay. you just. Keep Keep cutting them off at ground level just from lack of sun that the plant will die so right. yes you'll have a forest if you if you don't stay on top of that well that's what's happening yeah so okay well thank you very much and have a happy easter thank and the you. Same to you you Mary. too all, okay bye all the very best from all the gang here at am 740 and uh, boy it's a busy show this morning we're traveling all over the place mm-hmm. i used we used to have a cottage in fenland falls so i'm delighted to you've uh, just been everywhere where I haven't know, you lived well they don't let me live too too <laughs> far in very long yeah. in anyone's <laughs> Astrid from <laughs> Fenland Falls, good morning. Oh, good morning to you all. Good morning. I have a hibiscus plant mm-hmm. that I brought in last fall, mm-hmm. and I never trimmed it. Mm-hmm. I left it the way I brought it in. It's about two feet tall, very healthy foliage, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure how to uh, uh, bring it outside if I still trim it or what would I do? Well, knowing that hibiscus grow typically fairly vigorously when they're outside all summer, if you don't trim it now, keep in mind that it will start to grow outside and maybe be twice that size by the end of the summer. And then you're not going to want to trim it at the end of the summer because it's going to be covered in buds and blooms. That's right. So if you're going to trim it at all, now's the time to do it. Now would be the time. That's right. And remember when you trim hibiscus, almost the way we trim a rose, you cut back the stems or the branches to what we call an outward-facing bud. So you trim it so that the next growth will be on the outside of the plant and try and avoid a lot of inside crisscrossing of branches. Okay. So when you choose each, you know, you're going through with your pruners, look at where the next growth is going to come from and yeah. encourage the plant to get, well, sometimes it's wider that we want it to get, sometimes it's taller, but the main thing is you want to discourage a lot of that inside crisscross growth that will often happen with happy hibiscus. Okay. And then your question was, how do you get it outside? This has been one of the hardest springs to get any plants outside because it's just, we haven't had the warmth during the day and then we've had very cold nights. That's very true, yeah. Uh, you, you know, our warmest I think night so far has still been you know about two degrees and there's been several frosts even last week. So with our tropical plants or with any of our little seedlings that we still want to get them outside, we have to harden them off. Yes. And hardening plant, plants off is done very gradually with uh, when the weather improves. Now, it looks to me, we're talking double digits this afternoon and right all next week. Double digit days, lots of nice rain, which is great. The plants love the, the natural rainfall, the warmer rain, of course, as the temperatures go up. And we never, ever take our, our tender tropicals and our seedlings right into, out into the sun. So you're going to put them into a sheltered spot for a couple of days, sheltered from the wind, sheltered from the sun if it were to come out. And if the temperature is dropping anywhere five degrees or less, you bring them back in the house. Right. And then slowly but surely, you'll work your hibiscus uh, out into the sun and into the onto the deck or wherever it is that you're hoping to to have it for the summer. Oh, very good. Okie doke. Oh, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. And have a happy Easter. And the same to you. Thank you.
Easter Bunny's going to be busy all over the country. I hope oh, the Easter Bunny remembered to take it Sierra so. Well, yes. There, there you go. I mean, the Easter Bunny's got a big, it's like, you know, We're Santa not Claus. We're hairs here. We're calling it as we see it, right? <laughs> oh, oh, my man, goodness. Man, I had to reach for that one, You right? sure did. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, what, what Frank and I are talking about is uh, Sierra Sil is a mineral supplement that both of us take daily to keep our, our knees and elbows and, and hands and everything working. So, if you have any issues with arthritis, or or stiffness, inflammation in the joints. Sierra Sil can work for you. Doesn't work for everybody, but it can work for you. So more information. They're based in Vancouver. Give them a call. One eight seven seven Joint fourteen. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM seven forty Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scotts and Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, saying hi to Hazel in Stouffville. Good morning, Hazel. Morning to to both of you. Morning. I have um, a mandevilla that I bought last year. Mm -hmm. It bloomed beautifully all summer outside. Mm -hmm. I brought it in before the real cold weather. Mm -hmm. And during the winter, the bees started dropping off until I just have the the vines that the the leaves and flowers were on. Mm And there's a bit of green on it now. A couple of leaves started coming out, and they withered up and died. Mm. Am I going to lose the whole thing, or just what am I going to do? Well, it sounds like, so have you got it in any sunshine, any light right now? I've got it in the most light I, I can possibly get it in, in the mm. south window. Okay, okay, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like it, it went into dormancy for whatever reason, uh, whether it was, how about watering? What kind of watering have you been doing all winter? Uh, just to keep it moist. I haven't been overwatering it or anything. Okay. As the leaves were dropping, uh, clearly the plant is, is is going, you know, having its own little fall. It's it's going to have a little shutdown period. It's important that it's very easy to overwater when something like that is happening. Well, because, I haven't been doing that because I've been watching the soil. Okay, good. And feeling it, not just watering on the calendar. Yes. but yes. Good. Yes. Perfect. So if you're starting to see a little bit of green, here's what you do. Number one, keep it in that sunny spot. Number two... You could, uh, I would get out my pruners and I would prune back. It's The vine would have twirled on some kind of a, a pole or something that's on in, a wire that's uh, in the pot. So what I would do is I would cut back the different tendrils. I'm sure there's more than one that's on that, that wire. Yeah, the three plants in the pot. And there you go. So I would cut all the plants back by up to a third. All right. That's right. going to force the plant buds along the stem to want to grow. It's going to force them to start growing. Your job will be to very closely monitor the moisture availability in the soil. Mm-hmm. You will need to water so that this the plant will grow. But of course, again, being careful to not overwater. Once you start to see, like you said, little green buds starting to swell up a bit, like it's spring for this plant, right. give it some fertilizer. Right. You know, a, a nice, it could be a weaker than average solution, but just some simple miracle grow mixed up with, in your watering can. Water thoroughly with the fertilizer. Then wait another two to three weeks before you use fertilizer again. Water with straight water in between. Make sure you're using room temperature water, of course. Yes. Preferably water that sits out overnight. It, it's been out for a couple of weeks at a time. Oh, good. And then, yeah, and just keep turning the plant in that sunny location, and you should start to see sprouts. And then, of course, as the weather's improving, you're going to slowly but surely introduce that plant to the outside world again and right. get it outside where it will grow far more bountifully than it ever will inside. 
Well, I, I hope so. I don't want to lose it. No, no, exactly. You'll find that cutting it back will often be the, the drama that forces it to start to grow. As soon as you see a little bit of life in that plant, give it some fertilizer. Alrighty. righty. Thank you so much, Hazel. Thank you very much. All righty. From Stouffville, Hazel there. And we can squeeze in one more you call. You think it. I, I love the way you always I, think we can well, squeeze one more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm putting the squeeze on Joanne in Brampton. <laughs> Hello there, Joanne. Good morning, guys. Charlie, just a quick one. I have a beautiful rose bush in my yard. Mm-hmm. It's about nine feet tall and about six feet wide. Now, last summer, it's been eaten up. And a lot of the canes had the leaves eaten constantly. And a lot of the canes also had holes bored in the middle. Can I save that bush? What I would do, uh, have you done any trimming on it at all last fall or this spring? Yes. Okay, because that's what I would do. I'd be trimming it right down. Uh, you've got to watch and see what's causing all this damage, though. The plant, it, If a plant is being devastated and chewed and demolished for two or three years, it will often die as a result of just the stress it's under. So if it, it could be the, those horrible Japanese beetles we were talking about last week, and you will see them on there if it's the Japanese beetles. Um, there are thrips that can cause problems. There aren't a lot of bores when it comes to roses, but, yeah, they're pretty tasty plants. So part of your uh, job is to cut it back now. I would get out some dormant spray, which is the horticultural oil and lime sulfur. You'll buy it as a dormant kit. You'll mix that together, mix it with water, and spray this rose while it is still dormant, attempting to kill any overwintering insects or diseases that are on the plant. And then you'll monitor the plant throughout the spring. If you see evidence of insects, be ready with either a soap solution or a pyrethrin-based spray. Uh, And, of course, we never spray on a hot, sunny day at noon. But early in the day, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, get out there and spray to contact insects that you see on the rose. Charlie, uh, cut it back to what? Because it's like nine feet tall. Right. So your challenge is you put on your leather gauntlets, your complete leather suit, and <laughs> uh, and you get big, long-handled loppers, and you're going to take out some of the older canes right at the ground level. The older canes are going to be the ones that are gray, heavy bark. There might even be a couple inches in diameter. Uh, so you're really going to have to thin this out. It probably is quite overgrown if it's that size. It's a number of years old and really needs a bit of a rejuvenation. So older uh, canes out right at ground level, bring the whole thing down height-wise to at least five feet. Okay. And incidentally, last summer I put out my bowls of Stella Artois beer, Mm -hmm. and at night I put one out, (laughs) and 15 minutes, they're all coming along. The snails and the uh, slugs, they love that beer. They love that one, eh? You probably found me there. uh, (laughs) (laughs) My my neighbor said the same thing, Frank. You keep putting Stella out, I'll be out there drinking. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Joanne. Thanks, Joanne. Ending the note on a a high note there, you might say. Yes, well, and you know, for Joanne and you, save your beer, Scott's has a wonderful slug bait, which the slugs love. You've got to tell us about that we next don't. week. Okay, because we're out of time. <laughs> we got to go. Yep, we got to go. Charlie, Happy thank Easter. you. Happy Easter. Thank you, everybody. You. See everybody next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. 
This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.